welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hello, Lizzie. Hello. How are you? I am doing all right. We've had a couple of really nice days in Melbourne, and I feel like whenever the weather's good, my mood is lifted. We have, and we've also revealed a little bit more of what is, is inside the yes, kick house, positive which things is happening. just really nice. <laughs> and we are just so excited to slowly um, be able to show you all what has been going on. It hasn't been at Kick HQ because we have been working from home, but what has been going on? On the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really, really cool. And it's just so exciting, as Laura said, to finally get it out to you guys. And, and obviously, we've got all our new trainers on board, which is super exciting. Um, we are going to have them on the KickPod soon, so you guys can get to know them a little bit more. But we can't wait for you guys to try out their sessions. They're all so incredible. So we hope you're as excited as we are. Yeah. What's your special share this week, Lizzie? My special share is a place where you can... Actually, a few places where you can buy your mask. So I did an Instagram post on this, but I just... I was thinking about it. And the first mask purchase I made on Reflection probably wasn't the most conscious choice. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, with the rest of my purchases, because I feel like we will be needing yeah, more than... Well, true. you do need more than one mask. At oh, the yeah. start, I thought you only need one, but then no, you have to wash it. No, you're supposed to wash it every time you come back home. And I don't think you're really meant to wear them for longer than like a certain amount of hours or something. Yes. So yeah. I need to get a few more for mm. washing. And so um, I did a post and thank you so much to everyone who came back with some amazing suggestions of where you can purchase the mask. I think it's quite a powerful thing because uh, literally now everyone in Victoria has to wear one. So mm. there's going to be a lot of purchases going on. So if you can support a small business, there's lots of lots of um, even fashion businesses like couture businesses and mm -hmm. things that haven't been able to make or even bikini businesses mm. I've seen that mm -hmm. haven't been able to make their normal um clothes and mm -hmm. so and, and whatever they do and so they've had to pivot and, and make masks and then I have got some recommendations that do good um, and the one that came up the most was Second mm. Stitch Melbourne which is a textile enterprise employing women from refugee and asylum seeker backgrounds so I thought that was pretty amazing too but I did do a post on it if you want to go through and have a look there's some great suggestions in the comments. Yeah absolutely I think it's so it's so good and it's the easiest thing that we can do is to pop a mask on and if it ever feels un uncomfortable or like inconvenient just think of like I suppose how inconvenient there's healthcare workers who have to wear this mm. every single day um so just maybe have them in your minds when you do so also I do want to mention on the masks I actually had a young woman reach out to me and ask me to kind of speak about this she's got respiratory issues and she can't wear a mask mm. and she says that every time she goes out in public she feels so terrible because she wishes she she could mm. but she gets a lot of judgment and like people yelling at her and abusing her for not wearing a mask so I think it's whilst obviously if you can wear a mask absolutely wear a mask um maybe just stop and have a think before you judge or react to someone mm. not wearing one because even women that are pregnant and everything there's there's a lot of um kind of different health uh health reasons know, reasons yeah to not wear a mask so just before you judge someone for, for not wearing one maybe just you know stop and think about that because yeah it was sad to hear that because mm. obviously I'm sure if she could she would be wearing one I think because the people that haven't worn it have tarnished the totally. reputation of non-mask wearers mm -hmm. and kind of yeah it's, so obviously we do not condone um you're not saying you condone no Karen no, no Bunnings. not, not condoning not. Karen absolutely not her name, but um yeah <laughs> so that's such a good point yeah my social share is uh Taylor Swift's new album now it's actually not I saw you do a post about saying 
saying it's your favourite that she's ever done. So your special share isn't even your favourite. No, I like it. I hope it's just something you like. No, I think it's really nice. Special is just average (laughs) things that you have come across. No, 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 no. It's so funny because my favourite song from the (laughs) album is August. But I think it's so funny because when I played it to Josh and I was like, this is my favourite. He's like, this is the one that they're playing on the radio like nonstop. So it's like so predictable that the one that I like is like the most commercialised song. But it's it's a really beautiful album. I think why it's probably not my favourite. It's just because it's it's very slow and, I don't know, just slow and not sad. It's not sad, but it's just like it's totally different vibe to all her other it's albums. It's not like um, Shake It Off. No. There's no shaking it No, off. it's not like Shake it's It Off. It's more just nice background music. That, yes, but, that's but, why I'm lacking it. It's nice to have on in the day. It's better than just background music. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, yeah my favourite Taylor well, album because is just background music. You know what I like about it? It is background music, but then if you actually tune in, the lyrics, as always really with any of her songs, but the lyrics actually really tell you a story. So I think it's yes. like... Yeah. Anyway, beautiful music. You, you could have your friends over for dinner and play and that. it would be the perfect playlist mm-hmm. in the background, but also to focus on if you wanted to. Totally. And so it's my favorite album. And for you, just an average just one. Just an average one, but definitely recommend listening but to it. But worth it for a special <laughs> share, apparently. <laughs> oh my God. But anyway. Okay, next week you have to come with something that is your favourite. A bit favorite. stronger? Okay, cool. My favourite of something. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You just wait, guys. Anyway, this week, what what are we doing? I mean, what are we what doing? Are we, doing? <laughs> we know what we're doing. Uh, you have read the title of the podcast. Tell us about Tessa James. Okay, so Tessa James is possibly the reason that I cut myself a side fringe. I'm going to start there. <laughs> um, so if you, um, you might recognise Tessa from the photo that we posted, but even her name, because... Back in the day on Home and Away and Neighbours, she was quite a strong character. And I remember when she transitioned from Neighbours to Home and Away, it was like the coolest thing ever because that doesn't really happen much for actors. Um, And she's spent some time in LA and everything and she's had a beautiful career, but she's also been known in the media through the battle she had with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So we did talk about her, I suppose, journey through that. And, you know, when she found out she got that, she was so young. She was in a... young 20s when she was diagnosed so we spoke about that she's now a mum and doing some incredible things she's launched her new business so we just had so much to chat about with her and she's now living in Queensland back in Australia and it was just it was just really nice to chat she was such a lovely person really nice to get to know someone that like I think when I was yeah a teen I was a pretty big fan of it (laughs) it was so nice and yeah it was just like having a conversation um with a girlfriend Mm. which was she made us feel really comfortable I mean not that normal guests make like, us feel like, uncomfortable but you know it was, was one of those chats that I just felt like I'd known Tessa really for naturally. a very long time yeah. yeah so we hope you guys enjoy it well hello Tessa and thank you for joining us on the kick pod my pleasure thank you for having me we want to start off this conversation with the question of how are you going at the moment because 2020 has been a pretty big year for everyone and just want to see where you're at how you're feeling at the moment yeah I mean I'm I'm good I think considering I, I feel extremely lucky I think you know definitely compared to a lot of people in Australia or around the world um I don't know it's very uncertain I think that's just a completely overused word but it is it's very (laughs) uncertain things kind of keep changing all the time you think that things are good and then you know uh another spike happens or you know they close borders and and things like that so 
I'm up in Queensland, so I'm, I'm very lucky, uh, but my family's in Melbourne, so I, I miss my family definitely. So um, I guess, yeah, I guess you just have to take each day as it, it comes really, just try and keep going. Yeah, totally. And so you would have had a lot of time with your, I suppose, your little one and your hubby. So how's that been? The three of you been together, has it been nice? Yeah, it's actually funny. My husband and I joke because... Uh, I think a lot of people say that people are going to get divorced during COVID (laughs) or, you know, (laughs) but my husband and I, since he retired, we've actually, that's kind of how we've, uh, we spend a lot of time together because he works from home. I work from home. We lived overseas for a really long time. So we kind of just rely on each other. So there's a lot of tag teaming going on. So the dynamic between him and I hasn't really changed during COVID, which I guess is quite lucky and the fact that I have a two-year-old's actually been really uh it's been really good because it's kept me rather distracted and not bored at all or um <laughs> yeah kind of thinking about things that that I, that I shouldn't so he uh, he keeps me very present which is nice and he doesn't really know what's going on at all so he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't care <laughs> Oh, that's so special. And obviously you, you are an amazing mum, but is there anything that you're doing to bring you joy in this time just for you? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I think, I mean, it's probably like you guys, like I, I work from home usually. So in a sense, that kind of stuff hasn't changed. I think that travel for me is probably the biggest thing that has changed. But I think, you know, in that being able to just be in the one place and enjoy where we are and how lucky we are to be here. I mean, I lived in the US for quite a long time. So the fact that we're back in Australia is, uh, I feel very fortunate. So I think for me, the things that make me feel good is just being able to go in the ocean, you know, whatever I want. So taking time for a walk and the freedom that we have, you know, within here being able to, you know, go and do all those things. So Um, I think I've really been enjoying that. I mean, I love exercise and swimming and things like that. That kind of stuff makes me happy. So, Are you still swimming in winter? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's beautiful up here. It's so (laughs) nice. Yeah. The the other day I I snuck out of the house at like, it might have been, I think it was about 6 a.m. while everyone was asleep. And I just went for a swim in the ocean and it was freezing, but it was so beautiful. Oh, that's nice. It's crazy. I just, we can't, being in Melbourne, obviously, as you know. No, you can't. You ask, yeah, you can't imagine, like, going for a swim no. in winter. It's just, like, you just wouldn't. No. <laughs> no, I used to, um, when I was pregnant with my son and we were living in Melbourne and I used to go swimming at the pool in winter because mm. there's nothing better than being pregnant and swimming. So I used to force myself, but it was freezing. I bet. I bet. <laughs> so you mentioned yeah. you were in Melbourne. This is where you grew up and mm-hmm. where you born do you mind taking us back to your childhood just maybe what it was like growing up in Melbourne what what it was like with your family what your interests were and all that sort of stuff yeah I grew up out in Park Orchard so kind of like Ringwood Donval way it's Mm. like this tiny little eastern suburbs pocket it's so beautiful and I'm really lucky Mm. to have grown up there Uh, my mum was from there her parents just lived down the road so I had them down the road from us, uh, which was which was really nice. And I went to the local primary school and played in a lot of netball and, and things like that. But I was into performing and things like that from a very young age, I think, just because I had such a uh, out there kind of 
personality and I was a very full-on kid and needed to be busy so my mom had me in absolutely everything from sport to singing to dancing to acting and now having my own son who's very similar (laughs) I understand why but uh yeah no I, I that was kind of where I grew up and then when I was about 15 we moved into Hawthorne and I went to MLC and and then kind of from from there that's where I left Melbourne yeah I love that. It's so funny when you, um, because both Laura and I lived in Melbourne as well growing up and weren't too far away from the suburbs you're speaking of. I went to Bourne High, so I knew a lot of MLC girls and everything. It's just funny when you know of someone and you may have crossed paths, like walked past each other by a tram stop or something. Probably, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was on that like Cotham Road tram every single yeah. Friday night because I had to go to my grandma's who was in Bowen so I was on that I was on that train with all the oh yeah what was it was boys it 48 and, or something I, I think it was like the 48. 48 I think it was the 48 yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um and I actually used to play basketball against pack orchards mm. all the time oh really mm. I was never Saturdays, tall yeah. enough to play basketball uh, <laughs> that was the only thing I could do I was just tall that's yeah. all right. I was really good I was just tall <laughs> anyway so when you were 15 you got your or six 15 or 15 you got your call up for neighbors mm. what was that like for you uh, it was it was amazing. I uh, the about the year before I went to America with my dad. He my par- my parents decided that um, well I'd convinced my parents pretty much that there was no work in Australia and I had to go to the US to you know be an actress because I just would watch movies on repeat and want to be Julia Roberts and Reese with a spoon <laughs> and I said that I just had to had to go there. So I mean all credit to them they said sure if you want to and so my dad and I went to LA uh, and I did a course in Sherman Oaks for about a week or two and then I came back and my mum had contacted this guy called John Orchick which um, he's now been my friend for forever but he uh, he saw me and he was an acting or he was an actor but he's now an acting coach and I went and saw him and um, I just did a bit of work with him and he said, you know what, there's this role and they can't find anyone for it and I think that you'd be perfect for it. So uh, I'm going to call the casting director and try and get you an audition because I didn't have an agent uh, at the time. Uh, well, I only had like a commercial agent because I used to do Kmart catalogues and, and things like that <laughs> when I was younger. So he uh, he called out for me and I auditioned and that's kind of how I got the part. I mean, to be honest, I think I got it by luck. I mean, my eyes are very, very blue and kind of like this see-through kind of colour. So I think that that helped a lot because my character <laughs> was blind. So that was, yeah, quite interesting. I remember that so clearly. Mm. I was, I think I went through this stage when I was younger of being obsessed with neighbours and then it just like I switched an age and went over to Home and Away and it was around <laughs> the same time that you moved shows as well. So that was around the age of like 16. How was it going from one kind of iconic Australian show to another? I felt so cool. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I thought there's only a handful of people that have done this. Uh, but I guess, you know, Back then, there was not much else in terms of there. There wasn't really. There was no Netflix. There's no social media. There was, mm. 
you know, YouTube and that wasn't big. So I think that everybody really watched those shows and resonated mm. with, with those shows. It was always my dream to, I mean, I loved school probably for the social aspect, but I was never, you know, that, you know, in, entrenched in, in school. I just wanted to leave and be an actress. So the fact that I got that role and was able to go and move and, and, live independently and kind of live this life I'd been fantasizing about was such a a dream come true I'd always been a lot older than I was so I was Mm. kind of I felt very ready for for something like that when you're 16 and you move to Sydney for the show who were you living with at the time like it's such a young age I suppose as you said to leave your family and everything yeah, I mean, looking back and now having my own son, I actually can't believe my mum let me. But <laughs> I, I mean, the the show, the way that it's run, they're extremely supportive and they work with a lot of young people. So they have quite a thick process in place. But I essentially lived on my own. Um, I convinced them to let me rent a house in Paddington because I was close to my family, which uh, was very lucky. I had like an aunt and uncle just living in in, uh, Bellevue Hill. Uh, My mum would come up maybe, you know, every week just for a day or two, check on me. But essentially I was kind of responsible for myself and I had a lot of freedom, which I think, you know, a lot of people that age probably don't, don't have, but in saying that I was working probably 16, 18 hour days. So it's not a lot of time left on either side, (laughs) but I was, yeah, I was living on my own. What was the travel like from Paddington to where they shoot Home and Away? Is that, I don't know, is it like an hour? I just imagine Yeah, our geography of Sydney is so off. Yeah, so when I was on Home and Away, they filmed out at uh, Epping, which was probably about a 45 minute drive. But because I didn't have a license, I was allowed to have a driver. So he would pick me up and and go out there, which was really lucky. And then uh, Palm Beach was about an hour, an hour and a half away from from where I was. But then now they shoot in uh, Redfern. So they kind of go between Redfern and Palm Beach, yeah, which isn't too far. Oh, my goodness. So the whole thing isn't filmed in Palm Beach? Uh, so the location, oh, so I like outside, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So out, outside is is Palm Beach, and then uh, in the studio is is Redfern, and then kind of other locations that aren't exactly Palm Beach will be kind of you know anywhere in Sydney. But I mean, it could have changed. I don't know. I was there a really long time ago, but that's how it worked when I was there. <laughs> How interesting. I mean, it makes yeah. a lot of sense, but I yeah. feel like I just believed, like, you lived in Palm Beach. The one yeah. Time, yeah. And it was you. <laughs> mm. I know. You do. <laughs> so then from Home and Away, you moved, um, or you took the big leap to go to LA. Mm. Having such an amazing, I suppose, full-time job in Australia, mm. and then deciding to, I suppose, leave it behind and go to LA, what was that decision like for you? At the time, it was very easy for me, I think, because I was so young. I finished Home and Away when I was 20, so I really felt like that was my opportunity to go when I had so much life left to live and opportunity. I felt like I was at a real point where I was able to do something like that. I think I was a little bit scared at that age. If I had have stayed any longer, I wouldn't have left. I think I was probably very naive 
which you know in in that sense was was a good thing uh yeah so I mean I'd always wanted to go to LA I kind of had never wanted to work in Australia so being able to do that was amazing um I knew that it was going to be extremely hard I'd always had to work hard for things I was never kind of just had just got something I'd always worked really hard so I knew that that was probably going to be the case but um yeah I mean it was it was challenging but it was extremely fun and it it was the reality of what I wanted to do which which was interesting I think that you know we all have these kind of fantasized ideas of what something's going to be like but essentially the reality of being an actress and you know working is actually auditioning that's that's your job so once I learnt to enjoy that aspect of things, um, you know, it, it became a lot more enjoyable. Mm, that's a nice way to look at it because mm. I, I know of like a lot of people who would get lost in that. It's, it's similar to the modelling industry in that way where you, if you're, you know, constantly trying or going to castings and stuff like that and might not be getting something, it can really play on you. But it's it's nice that you saw, I suppose, that side of it as enjoyable as well and, and saw it for what it was. Yeah, I was I was very lucky in the way that I, I met my husband when I was... Oh, I think maybe I was 18 or 19 and we actually got married and then I went to the States and I would do kind of long stints of two to three months and then kind of come back. So I always had this other life of, you know, his job and, and his career, which would kind of get me out of whatever I was in. So I was very fortunate to to have that and not kind of feel completely suffocated by by what I was doing I was able to focus and have that alone time to really get done what I needed to do but then I was also able to have this um this kind of other perspective on life which was which was really nice I would love to talk to you about the time when you were diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, if you were comfortable, but really interested to know because you were so young, it was only a couple of years once you moved over to LA when you were diagnosed. Can you take us back to that kind of moment? How, how was that for you as a young 20 year old? Yeah. I mean, my dad had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma probably, oh, maybe a year or two before that which was quite a big hit, I think, to our family. Like we'd always, I mean, I'd always had such an amazing kind of simple, I, I guess, life. And so something like that happening um, was, was quite a shock to, to, to the system. And he, and he was very, very sick. So he's, he's fine now, he's totally fine now, but he was very sick at the time. So that was kind of my first introduction, I think, to something like that. But unless you go through something like that personally, I think you're still quite removed from it. But I was living in LA and my family had come over for the summer and we went to New York and then I went back to LA. And while I was in New York, I just little things started to happen. Like I just didn't feel a hundred percent. I was getting a lot of back pain um, I was trying to, I was running with my mom and we were running like 10, you know, 12 K a day and I was struggling, but I kind of thought that all the walking around New York city and exercising that my back was just sore. And I kind of had this greeny yellow complexion to my skin, but I just colored my hair dark from blonde. So it was just little things like that where I didn't really think about it. And then I ended up back in LA and I found a lump just above my collarbone 
And it was quite a hard, solid lump. And I think I just, my stomach sank. I mean, I wasn't sure what it was, but I didn't feel completely normal. And my parents arrived back in LA probably a day or two later. And I spoke to my mum about it and things moved pretty quickly after then. I kind of headed back to Australia about a week or two after that and just started getting tested. And there was a lot of investigating kind of going on of, of what it could be, but I knew pretty much from that moment that, you know, it was something pretty serious. So, yeah, I mean, I guess when I found out, I pretty much went into shock or survival mode of, you know, right, well, I just have to get get through it and get it done and it's going to be fine. And, you know, my husband's very much like that. I'm very much like that. So I think that that was kind of the mentality. So I think in terms of dealing with it or how I felt. Uh, I was very young, so I wasn't kind of sure, but I think that the reality of something like that doesn't really sink in until you're actually in the depths of going through it. And then even then what you feel then is just, um, I think, immense confusion and shock. And then after that's kind of when you really deal with, with what has happened. Oh, absolutely. And I can only imagine going through something like that can really change your perspective on life. You talk to us about that as well. Yeah, I think it took me, to be honest, quite a long time to figure that out. I'd been told the whole time that I was going through it about how this is going to make you so much stronger and your outlook on life and you know all of that kind of stuff. So in a way, I felt this pressure to be a better person and really appreciate things. And I did, but I think that I didn't fully understand what that meant until I probably had my son mm. or may- maybe a little, little bit, you know, before that, but it, it took me a little bit, while, um, a, a little while to kind of understand what that fully meant. And I think that that just was my personality. I'm quite a full on, uh, organized, you know, intense person. So I think, for me to calm down and just be happy with where I'm at took took me a little bit. And I think once I was there, then I really started to realise what I had been through and what that actually meant kind of going forward in life and how I was to use that going forward in life. Yeah, totally. I remember the magazines and all over the media, like reading all about kind of the diagnosis and everything that you were going through. How how was that? I mean, was that a positive to you? Was that a support to you? Or how did you feel when, you know, the whole, whole of Australia who knew of you knew you were going through that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a negative, a, a mm. negative at all. I mean, I think obviously getting photographed and things like that when you're in that vulnerable state's not mm. exactly the best thing, but it's reality. It's It's real life. It happens to people all the time. So it's not you know, it doesn't discriminate. So the fact that it happened to me, I think is, you know, quite good for, for people to to see and be, be aware of, especially young people. I think the initial, you know, everybody finding out and everybody being so lovely and, and wishing me well was amazing. But then I think I felt quite alone after that, you know, because that kind of, that disappears and people get on with their lives like they should. And you're kind of left in the reality of your situation. I had uh, Delta Goodrum reach out to me, which was really wonderful because she'd obviously gone through the same thing. So that was such a positive to come out of, you know, the media and, and things like that, which was 
I was very lucky to have that someone to relate to in that way. Mm. Yeah, I bet that would have been mm. nice. So now we would love to touch on motherhood with you. Something yeah. that um, I've, I've heard you speak about before is how before you had your beautiful son, you didn't feel maternal, like you'd never held another baby before. And and I thought it was really amazing to hear you speak about that because I feel like often um, we kind of have pressure on ourselves that we have to feel like we're really maternal and, and you know, we have to be 100% sure we're ready for a baby and we love babies before we have one, but that's obviously not always the case. So can you talk about that for us? Yeah, I think I'd always been like that. My mum was like that. It's just kind of what I think I'd been surrounded by and I'd always always knew that I wanted to have children and I think I just hoped that I would be fine when I did (laughs) but uh yeah I I had just I'd never really been that into babies I don't know it it just that's just kind of the, the the way that I was and and when I fell pregnant with my son I knew that I would be extremely capable of of looking after someone but yeah I just I well I wasn't very I wasn't very maternal but my mum was exactly the same so she was always like when it's your own it's totally it's totally fine it'll just it'll just kick in and you know you'll be right so I think I just had that mentality and and she was right I think it's it's one of it is the most amazing thing that that you can do and life really makes sense for me what like it really made sense for me once I had my son and yeah I, I mean I don't I think there is so much pressure on women to be mm. a certain way especially you know there is so much information out there of what to do and how to parent and the best way and then even when you're in the hospital about breastfeeding and not breastfeeding and all the things on social media with with mums you know mums that are you know that look perfect and then mums that are so in the depths of reality that they don't sleep and you know it's like two extremes there's no kind of just in the middle you know of just this is just life so I think for me I I just kind of took that that approach oh yeah totally and I feel like um even before you're actually pregnant and I'm sure there as you said there's so many different pressures on like you know how to how to mum (laughs) how to be a mum what to do what to eat when you're pregnant what not to do and but even before that I'm sure you know as you were married quite young I'm sure you just got asked all the time when you guys were gonna have kids yeah we did all the time and I was just (laughs) you know I was a part of a world at that time where you know I was kind of in two different worlds. I was in this acting world of, you know, I lived in America and I would audition and I was striving to do something for me. And then I was in this other world where, you know, my husband was a footballer and a lot of the wives, you know, they they were very kind of family orientated. A lot of them had Mm -hmm. children and, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So I was in these two different worlds, but I was so career driven in terms of I was just so passionate about what I was doing it was well it it is my dream so I think that that's always kind of taken taken me through I've never felt bad about that um and I always knew that I I would have kids I just didn't kind of know when yeah (laughs) And it was still young anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. 
Wow. Um, and <laughs> then you have your new baby, which is your business. Congratulations. That's so exciting. So tell us about James Wellness. Like how did that come about? And yeah, just tell the audience a little bit about your business. Yeah, I think James Wellness, in terms of having a business, has always been in the back of my mind. I've always been very you know, creative and really interested in that kind of aspect of life. But then I've always been very organized and a type personality and like to be in control and, you know, all of those amazing Aries uh, traits. So (laughs) I was always really interested in creating my own business, what that would be. I, I wasn't quite sure. So that took me a long time to figure out. But I think James Wellness was really born from me just wanting to to learn you know I didn't I didn't finish school and I never went to uni so I was really keen on kind of using these life experiences that I had had and and was having and turn them into a business and and learn how to run a business and you know that's kind of how James Wellness started and you know my interest in health and well-being and I guess the relatability that I have to people with that was probably um yeah, where I felt that my strength lied in terms of starting a business. So that's kind of how James Wellness came about. I think it's really cool to hear you talk about how, you know, you wanted to start the business and you wanted, you were ready to learn every step of the way. You know, Mm. you didn't wait until you felt like you knew everything before you got started. And I think it's really important. We get asked all the time from um, younger women, you know, kind of what they should study or what direction they should go down to, to one day own their own business. And there's so many different pathways, but I think it's a really nice Um, a nice place to start is just having something that you're passionate about, which as you said, you know, that health and wellness kind of direction and knowing that you had certain traits and everything that was going to pull you through to be able to run a business, but accepting that you didn't know everything and that you were ready to kind of Mm. just jump into the deep end and get it started and learn along the way. I think that's a really important message. Yeah. I think even if you do study something or, Mm. you know, you kind of want to start a business and like, what do I study? The thing that I found with business is that there are so many different aspects to running a business that you couldn't possibly be good at all of them and you can't possibly know Mm -hmm. everything. So Mm -hmm. it's so much better to recognize where your strength lies and what you're good at. And obviously, initially, you have to try and multitask and do everything. But as soon as you can, delegating those other things to people that are really good at Mm. accounts or social media or or things like that I think is is really important just to let go of the fact that that's not my strength this is your strength so let's work together and I think that things really uh, flourish when you do things like that and you're um I mean the whole brand is just so beautiful Mm. so congratulations when we were looking at it I'm like oh my goodness (laughs) the aesthetic everything it just looks so fancy Mm. and but also relatable and then it just it's it's really beautiful so congratulations thank you you're welcome what's your favorite part about it I think that's probably my favorite part about it is (laughs) and that's probably why it looks that way I uh, I really enjoy being creative ever since I was younger I would just I love I love magazines still even though they're not really around that much anymore but I used to love magazines and I would cut imagery out of them all the time and create mood boards and do things like that. And I've always been super interested in fashion and creativity and art. So I think that that aspect of the business I find really satisfying and really interesting. I love being able to 
see something come to life in that way. And I also love being able to create a product and how it looks and how it will look in someone's home. Because I think that there's nothing worse than having a product that looks so bad in your home. So (laughs) I think that that was really a driving force for me. I've always had um, access to really amazing quality products, but sometimes the aesthetic of them, it's just not relatable to me. So I think that that was something that I really wanted to try and achieve. And I'm really interested in developing products. So working out what's really good for your body and clean for your body, and then working out how to kind of make that into a product. I find that process really interesting amazing and yeah your product would look beautiful in everyone's it would elevate (laughs) everyone's cupboard (laughs) thanks so now we'd love to touch on confidence you come across as as such a beautifully confident person in who you are um and it's so nice to see that and it's so inspiring what what are your i suppose your tips for anyone that's struggling any i suppose young people that are struggling with confidence yeah i mean I don't know. I think that I probably come across (laughs) confident. uh, I'm not sure, maybe because of the experiences that I've had or, you know, I think it it took me, you know, I've always been confident in the fact that I've always known what I wanted to do and I've always been very confident within myself. But I think definitely, you know, my husband is extremely is an extremely positive person. And I think being a footballer, they learn all of these different aspects of mentality and kind of how to be positive and how talking about yourself in a positive way affects your life on a daily basis. And I think for a long time and probably due to auditioning and not getting jobs and rejection, I probably spoke about myself in you know, a not so great way without even thinking about it. And he's really been able to help me in turning that around and talking about myself in a really positive way. So I think that's definitely added to the way that I look at life and the way that I feel about myself. I think also having having my child has Mm. just made me feel extremely comfortable with who I am and where, where I am in life. But I do always try and go with the mentality of you are... Um, you are exactly where you're meant to be because you know you can have these dreams and you can have these things that you want to happen but majority of the time they're not going to happen when you want them to and they're not going to happen how you want them to it doesn't mean they're not going to happen but I think that letting go of that kind of mentality is is very satisfying and and that's kind of what's made me probably feel comfortable and just probably getting old really (laughs) I think it's it's funny um we laugh about that sort of comment but I think it's absolutely true I think the older you get you know the more experiences you have as you said you learn more and more about your each other you learn more and more about yourself Mm. and I think that's one way to definitely grow confidence is like Mm. finding those things that you think you're good at or that you appreciate and it's a lot easier to kind of walk confidently once you feel completely comfortable in your own skin yeah and and too as as we get older we meet and are attracted to more people Mm. that are like us you know with young girls when we're at school or in high school or or things like that you know you you are put into a place where it might not be the kind of people that are your people and Mm. you know you're made to feel like you don't have any friends maybe because you don't get along with those people and I think that as we get older and our lives open up and 
we get to socialize with people that are interested in the things that we're interested in and you know you kind of work life out in that way I think that definitely adds to Mm. to confidence for sure absolutely um and to finish Tess we know that this question might be a little hard to answer because everything is as we started with this conversation so yes. unknown at the moment and uncertain um but looking forward what are some goals you have um moving away from this year <laughs> yes I think you know in terms of lo- I think just long-term goals is just kind of growing my business I really would love to mm. grow a team with my business and come out with more product and kind of develop the business in in that kind of sense I would love to keep creating and performing and and acting and I think that there's a really amazing opportunity coming to Australia with with the fact that uh, the government's put so much money into arts and creativity and and things like that. So that's a real positive. I'm so excited to see my family at some point. So <laughs> that's something I'm really looking forward to. So, I mean, yeah, you just got to keep going. I think everyone's in the same position. So just have to keep positive, really. Well, thank you so much, Tessa. It was so, so nice to talk to you. Um, we really, really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you guys too. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that one as much as we enjoyed having that conversation. Yes, if you want to see any more from Tessa, we'll make sure we pop her Insta handle in our show notes. Um, As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. And if you want to find out more about what we have been, you know, dropping, just make sure you keep in touch with us on our Instagram. That is where we will drop everything first. That's like the first to know VIP kind of like access to what's happening with Kick because there is a lot happening. And we hope you guys are excited as we are. (laughs) VIP. Well, it is. Who are you? What is VIP? You know what? It's the first place. As much as we like to think that this is the first place you might come to, it's probably going to be our Instagram. (laughs) Let's be honest. True. So um, enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy the week. Hopefully find some positivity. Yeah. Uh, That is enough. Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, wait. Our Instagram is at keepercleaner. Um, if you don't know that already, <laughs> and then also, the you can find out more about our program at www.keepitcleaner.com.au. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.